Coaches, what's going on? Uh, obviously, everything right now is a pretty fluid situation, but uh, barring any big change, we're now going to only one podcast episode um, uh, a week. So it'll be now, uh, if you guys listen to it when we're releasing it, every Sunday night or Monday morning, uh, you'll get a new podcast episode going to one a week. They've all been pre-recorded. That way, we can continue to coach and get everything out of football that we can for our kids. Uh, but then still... Uh, bring podcast episode to you guys so we'll go to one a week now now if everything changes like everything's been changing then um, you know maybe we'll go back to a week and and get rolling again and then go to one a week uh, when and if football comes back again so wanted to let you guys know keep you updated we're updating RTP uh, premium we're adding new videos all this month so make sure you guys go on and check that out over at runthepower.com this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. You get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our, free show, uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Mark Kelly. Coach Kelly is the former head coach at Searcy High School in Searcy, Arkansas, where he won the first state championship at the school since 1933. Coach is now coaching at Conway Wampus High School in Conway, Arkansas. Listen as we talk with Coach Kelly about his five-year building project at Searcy High School, culminating in a state championship last season. You can follow Coach Kelly on Twitter at MarkKelly33. Hope you guys enjoy. 
Yeah, it's it's not a real long story, but uh, there's been definitely some things in there that are beyond my physical realm. You know, it's, it's definitely been God that's had his hand on me in a lot of different ways. But it uh, started basically because my dad was a coach. Uh, we moved around, and I played for three different head coaches in three years of high school football. And it was three really good coaches, uh, Doug Shield, a legend here in the state of Arkansas, uh, won some championships when he was at Boonville, uh, and I was at Morrillton, and then uh, Chris Hill came in, great coach, and I'm actually going to get to coach against Coach Hill next year. He, he just got the head coaching job at Sylvan Hills. He was a uh, coach there at Harding, the university here in town, and uh, great coach, great person. And then uh, the last year, me and my dad moved down to Fordyce and actually played for Red Parker. And... Uh, you know, he was the head coach at Clemson a while back. He was the OC at Ole Miss. Had been the, the head coach at a bunch of Division II schools and just, you know, another legend that I was able to uh, have a chance to just get in there and, and learn from and, you know, see how they run their program and everything. And, uh, you know, moving around with my dad, seeing a bunch of different stuff. And then Coach Parker uh, got me an opportunity to go play football at Lambeth University over in Tennessee in Jackson. and. Uh, played quarterback there for four years. Uh, had some great men there and uh, great coaches, uh, Vic Wallace and a lot of them that had come through. And then when I was a senior, this is where it kind of – you can see that it's, it's one of those things that is not within my capabilities of putting together anything. But when I was a senior, uh, Coach Freeze came in, uh, Hugh Freeze. Uh, they'd been let go there at Ole Miss, and he came in. Uh, so he was there, uh, Tom Allen, who's now the head coach at Indiana. Uh, Grant Hurd was there with him, who's now the OC there at Indiana. And, you know, just having those guys come in when I was a senior and getting a chance to see how they run the program and doing different things like that was, was crazy and, and just an amazing opportunity. And then Coach Freeze was able to get me on at Washtenaw Baptist here in Arkansas in Arkadelphia. Amazing program with Coach Knight, uh, Coach Derby. Coach Shock, just guys that have been there at Washtenaw for a long time and, and really turned into, you know, a national power. And I was there for two years as a graduate assistant, one as a tight ends coach and one as the wide receivers coach. And then uh, I decided I, I had to make a little bit of money for whatever reason. Probably should have just uh, stayed broke the rest of my life. But yeah. uh, that I had to go make some money, got into the high school game and actually – Showed up at uh, Cross at High School in Cross, Arkansas, and they had just gone to 0-10. And, and I was uh, going there to be their wide receivers coach. And I show up there as the wide receivers coach. And uh, two games into that season, our uh, head coach gets fired after uh, we, we lose to Hamburg, which is our rival. And our athletic director, who's also our defense coordinator, uh, is Brad Bradshaw. He gets promoted to be the head coach. And uh, promotes me to the offensive coordinator and the play caller and everything. And uh, just got to learn a lot from that year, just kind of trial by fire, just putting stuff together, trying to see what works, see what doesn't, uh, you know, trying to give kids some confidence. And uh, then after that year, Coach Bradshaw wanted to go back to his athletic director duties. Uh, so he became the athletic director and promoted me to the head coach there at CrossFit. Uh, we had a Fun year that that very next year, my uh, defense coordinator, who's a good friend of mine, ends up leaving and going back uh, to Northwest Arkansas, where he's from, uh, late in the year. I was able to get my dad down 
to come to Cross and be my defensive coordinator for a year. So uh, that was an awesome year. Uh, got to live with my dad and, and learn a lot of football and uh, spend time with him in a way that a lot of people kind of don't see their dads. Uh, you know, seeing how they work, seeing how they interact with different people and everything. So that was fun. I got to learn a lot from him. And then after that year, I became the offensive coordinator here at Cersei. And uh, Coach Poole, uh, Jeremy Poole, was the, was the head coach here at the time. And we actually ran, ran across his path and got to know him when we were in uh, Fordyce. He was a linebacker's coach there at Fordyce. And then he went to Greenwood for a couple of years there with Rick Jones. And uh, then he came here to Cersei for a couple of years and uh, called me up and asked if I wanted to be his offensive coordinator. So I come here for a couple of years. and then. Uh, he got out of coaching, and somehow I was able to talk my way into being the head coach, and and have been the head coach for the past five years, and uh, continue to build, and we're starting to have a little bit of success, and you know, state championship this past year for the first time since you know the '30s, and uh, semifinal run a couple of years ago, first time since the '80s, and you know, there's a lot of things that they hadn't done here in a while, and uh, you know, definitely a testament to all the great coaches and kids that have come through here. Well, Coach, that's that's a great, you know, a great background, and I'm excited to ask you about a, a couple of those different. There are a lot of a lot of the things that you've talked about, and obviously including uh, the most recent state championship, which is uh, an awesome deal. And I couldn't imagine being the head coach, and, and you know, I know it's everyone's team, but kind of it's your team, uh, especially you know, I you know, I know everyone's going to play that down, but um, especially when they're bad, it's definitely your team. You know, so I kind of think that when they're good, it should kind of be the, the head coach's team as well. But anyways, uh, I'm, we'll get to that, I'm sure. But what I'm kind of curious about is, so I'm putting myself in the situation. You, you get thrown in to be the OC in the middle of a year. Um, right. And, and I'm sure you've got – and maybe, maybe you don't have a great idea of, of what you'd want to do as an OC because you still are young in the process at some point, you know, somewhat young. Um, but I'm sure you still have your own ideas and ways that you'd like to call things and feel comfortable doing things, but you're already in the season. So how much can you, you know, switch up? How much can you change in the season? Or is it like putting a Band-Aid over a huge cut until you get to the off season? What, and, and I'm sure you wrestled with both of those kind of in your mind. What, what kind of went through your mind? How did you end up working through that uh, when that situation came? Because I think there's been, I'm sure, several coaches that would love to, you know, that will come under that situation would love to know or kind of have a, a little bit of thought yeah. into that yeah definitely uh, that's a great question and you know whenever that did come up you know the the biggest thing that everybody had to understand is how we want to communicate because uh, that's obviously the number one thing and I'm used to just going out there no huddle we're signaling and that's you know that takes a little bit of time so um, whenever I became the office coordinator this is the this is the only year that I've ever used wristbands, but uh, took the wristbands, narrowed down the play calls to about a dozen. You know, we had a few others that were signals as far as getting some heavy sets and different things like that, but I just narrowed it down as as concise as I could, and just type up exactly what it is. So I'd have a wristband for you know the outside receiver, and uh, it's telling me exactly what to do. So you're running a twelve yard out, you're running a three step slant, you know, so. Uh, trying to make it as, as easy, especially for all those skill guys that I may just have some different tags for. Uh, so that then that next year we could get into that a little bit deeper. But uh, right then, it's a little bit of what we did. But then, like you said, it's slapping a Band-Aid on it because, you know, it's not, it's not ideal. 
uh, but we're doing that. And then we're trying to keep it really, really simple for the whole line. I think we ran, you know, one pass, one pass, uh, you know, one uh, uh, pass pro. And then we ran like two or three runs and like a sprint out protection and one screen or something like that. And then we just kept building it kind of as we went through the year, just like you would during the off season. But now we're doing it in season, you know, and we're, it's, it's a team that was 0-10 the year before. So they hadn't had just a ton of success. And somewhat we're grasping at straws because, I mean, you're 0-10 for a reason. You don't have just SEC guys <laughs> right. everywhere go 0-10. So uh, we're trying to find what works and trying to put some guys in good positions to be successful. But uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you're slapping a Band-Aid on it as far as the communication, but then you're still trying to be aggressive just like you would uh, if you had a whole offseason with them. Coach, what are some things, you know, you were able to kind of take away? It, it sounds like, obviously, you know, you've been at, at Cersei now for five years, and, you know, everyone kind of hears the, quote, five-year plan, and, and you build it every single year, and, and it culminates in a state championship. But I would imagine you learned some things from, you know, guys like your, your coaches from Lambeth, you know, Coach Freeze, Coach Allen. You know, what are some things that maybe you kind of took away from that, and it really helped you maybe in your head coach preparation to ultimately, you know, build on that five-year plan to win a state title at Cersei. Yeah, and, you know, you, you see all these great coaches, uh, like I said, Coach Freeze, Coach Allen, uh, Coach Knight, just so, uh, Coach uh, Parker, you know, all these different guys with so, so many different personalities, and they're so different. Uh, so I felt like the main thing that I took out of all those guys, they've been great coaches, won championships and all this stuff, is just be myself. and. I just want to show up every single day and be me. I, I'm not going to be successful if I show up trying to be Hugh Freeze. I'm not going to be successful if I show up trying to be Coach Parker. I just got to show up and be myself. And the other thing that was really imperative for every single one of those coaches is, is they, it seemed like every single one of them was really 100% relationship-oriented in everything that they did. And even Coach Parker all the way down to how he would script practice and how he would call out guys for the scout team. He would try to say every single kid's name every single day and just to let them know that, that you know, he's thinking of them and he's putting them in a, in a position, put them into practice. Uh, so just thinking back to all the different things that those guys do as far as relationship building and just building men is always one of those things I think back of and I think how can I, how can I continue that in this profession. Coach, are, are you naturally – so so here's uh, – I am – completely with it and it's been my goal for the last four or five years uh, I'm not naturally a big relationship person just just even with like my family we've got a really good I've got a great family we love each other but you know just relationship wise I've never talked about you know it just is different but so I, I'm always working on that because every great coach I've ever heard you know talks about how important that is and so it's it's been my mission to get better at it every year well you know part of of that is like you said, it's, it's calling everybody by name. Um, I'm a horrible, I'm great with faces, horrible with names. And I, I'm pretty good with my line. I see them every day. I learn their names pretty quick, but um, are you very good? you you got the, a whole group of kids, you know, a whole team of kids. Are you very good at remembering names? If not, what's your, you got any tips or tricks for me to, to help yeah. me remember those faster? No, that's, that's a great question. I'm, I'm not great with names either. I just go around and, you know, especially when, you know, a new group of kids comes in or whatever, I may go around and, and say, good job, man. You know, three or four times before I ask somebody, what's his name? And then, you know, the more, more and more you're around, the more you'll pick up their names. And, you know, I, 
I don't have a I don't have a way to do it. I just know that if you just go around and encourage them, eventually you'll learn their name. And that's all that I've been doing. I hadn't really tried any tricks or anything. But like <laughs> you gotcha. say, uh, like Coach Freeze, Coach Allen, all those guys, they may meet one or two guys and they pick up their names. It's really hard for me to do that. It's one of those things that I definitely got to focus on, uh, you know, whenever you meet people, uh, just trying to focus in on what their names are and, and instead of going on to the next thing. We had a bunch of new kids at, at our high school, and the only way that's helped me learn the skill kids is I kind of stole it, I think, from Walls and, and probably Coach Clink, but they would always weigh the kids in. We have the kids weigh in twice. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. weighing those kids in is the only way that I learn a lot of those skill kids' names, making them say their name every time and then eventually. But it still takes me three, four weeks sometimes. Walls. Yeah, that's an awesome thought because, you, you know, you, you're there and you, you can learn their names and – about three or four weeks into it, you really don't want to ask somebody their name again. So that's, that's I know, but simple. I know it. So so then you know I make everyone say their name, so I don't make any of the kids feel bad. So yeah, even my starters that have been there three years, I always make them say their name. But that always helps me a little bit. But it still takes me way too long. Yeah, I think that's an awesome idea. I I love doing that, and again, it, it was it was awesome too because then you, you could figure out your nicknames from there. You know what a kid looked like, oh, yeah. or if he if he had a name, you know, similar to somebody else famous or something like that, or maybe you figure out, you know, uh, uh, what the kids call them and things like that. But that was that was a, a way for me to do it, and I still do it now here, where you know we track all of our kids, you know, weights and maxes. I like to do that all myself, and I walk around with my computer for the for the same reason. When those new freshmen and eighth graders come in, I, I want to be able to learn who they are and figure that out that was a trick I'd gotten a while ago but yeah good to see you're doing that now harp I don't do it all the time I do it I do it not as much as I used to now but that was I used to have to you know learn a bunch of new kids names when I was first getting there Um, but now I'm it's just you know obviously the new group of freshmen so it's a little bit easier for me Uh, and then but Walls his his best was he always he didn't make fun of the kids, but a lot of times he had some funny things to say about different names, uh, and the kids would laugh. And, and honestly, just other than just, you know, learning the kids' names, that, that kind of built the relationship just off of that. I mean, not like uh, – I got to be careful. It definitely wasn't like bullying mean, but, you know, jokes as guys will make <laughs> about each other and about their names and about, you know, his name. And um, it, it was just kind of a – it kind of started that relationship off with a lot of those young kids. <laughs> yeah no doubt it's just anytime you can have something in common with somebody and you know they a lot of times those kids they just need some kind of encouragement uh, whether it's a nickname or something hey I mean they'll eat it up so coach you had the opportunity to, to coach with your dad I think something that you know probably me and coach Walls both of our dads uh you know his dad was a coach my dad is a coach right now something that I would assume I don't want to speak for Walls but something that I've always thought about wanting to do um, at, at some point, because I didn't get to play for him either. So it would just be a cool experience. How was that? Uh, is that something that you would do again? How did you guys – I've always been, you know, nervous about it too to ever do it because I don't know how we'd work together or seeing that side of them, like you said, or, you know, we both coach the same position. So that might be different too. Yeah. How, how did that work out for you? What was some things you got from it? Yeah, that I mean, it was an awesome experience. And uh, just kind of the story behind it, uh, my buddy left real late in the year, and I called my dad and said, hey, uh, is there any way you can get out of your contract and come down here and help me out and be my DC? And and that's the other part is he did the defense. I just turned it over to him, and 
didn't worry with it again. And whatever he did was cool. I'm not going to question it. Uh, I mean, I, I've been around him enough to know that he knows way more than I, I even think that I know, you know. So uh, I just let him have the defense and go with it. It was awesome. And, you know, he took control of that other room. And, you know, I, I did the offense. And, I mean, game days were awesome. Uh, you know, all I had to do was wander over there every now and then and, and see what he's doing on third, fourth down or a goal line or whatever. And, and man, I would love to do it again. It's just they live just a little bit too far uh, for him to be able to come <laughs> over here every day. Uh, but, man, it was, it was one of those experiences that, you know, I, I'll cherish. And, uh, you know, one thing, another story about that was, you know, we're down there and I came up here to Cersei in – you know, late in the year, probably March. And my dad was still down there at uh, CrossFit. So he was still down there at CrossFit for about two or three weeks, even after I left and then ended up getting a little bit closer to home. But uh, I almost left him down there with, uh, you know, no house to even live in and, and just kind of <laughs> took off. But he said, man, it's, it's too good of an opportunity. Uh, you need to take it. and We'll figure it out if I'm down here or if, if I need, if I can get back closer to home. And uh, it's just one of those things that, and it, just looking back, it was, it was one of those experiences that we'll never forget. Is your dad still coaching then? Uh, he's actually gotten out of it. He's working at uh, co-op around uh, Russellville now and basically retired. They got a house on the lake and just kind of hang out. That's the life. Yeah, my dad's retired now too, and, and, and it was the same kind of deal. And I, I moved back home, and, and you talking about, you know, the, the relationship. You know, you kind of go away, you do your thing for a while, and then you, you get back together and you work. It, it was awesome to go – you know, quote, home for, for two years. And, yeah. and I felt like, you know, our, our relationship got a lot stronger from that, you know, when I, when I was oh, away yeah. and doing my own things. And then once we got back together and got to travel the, the countryside, my dad was a big college basketball fan. So we, we'd drive together and go watch games. I mean, it, it was a, a really cool thing, I felt like, you know, to, to kind of reconnect with your dad and always just kind of have that bond. Yeah. And like you say, whenever you get out a little bit and, and, I think you realize how much they, they really know how much they care for you, how, mm -hmm. you know, rare that is the just genuine care and love, you know, that your dad has and, and definitely draws you back. And just talking about retirement, I was talking to my buddy uh, the other day, uh, Morgan Cruz, he's the OC at Bethel there in Tennessee. And he, he's talking about retirement. He said, man, these past two, three weeks have proved to me that I am not going to retire ever. I said, <laughs> no doubt, man, it's, after about two three weeks it's it gets old so uh and that's one of those things just thinking but thinking into the future i don't know if there's any way that i can retire i mean i'd rather stay busy and be out there coaching and doing stuff like that than sitting around the house for months yeah i i completely agree there i'm i'm going absolutely crazy i, I gotta have something to do and you know it, it makes it even worse i mean if the weather was at least decent i could at least get out and do some things but you know, I, I'm 100% with you. I've told my wife, I mean, I'll, I'll end up working a lot longer than she will. And I'm like, I, I probably won't retire. At yeah. least I'll be coaching and doing something. I mean, I'll get out of teaching, oh, yeah. but I got to be coaching. The, yeah. plan, the plan here in Oklahoma, I think, for everyone is, and I don't know it exactly, I'm not old enough yet, but get to where you can retire in Oklahoma and then go to Arkansas for three years and, and double retire. Yeah. I, think that's what yeah, all the, that's... I think that's what all the Oklahoma guys do. Is that right, Walls? Yeah, some have been doing that, and then the same thing in, in Texas. You know, obviously the salaries are higher, so you kind of, quote, double dip, start pulling retirement, and then be able to 
to get another job. That's there the way to do it. <laughs> That's the plan then. Well, Coach, uh, you know, I got we got lucky enough in, in 2018 we won our first state title, or, or I won my first state title. It was our, our schools as well. But um, kind of brought me around to really thinking about that year and, and kind of trying to decipher and decide for myself, like, you know, after that year, like, what was it? Why did we win a state title this year, but we haven't the past few years? And obviously, talent comes into it. But then it's like, well, is it all talent? You know, there were some things that I've thought were really, really important in the past that we really didn't do, but we had a lot of talent in one. And, and it was just – it was kind of a weird deal, honestly, after we won. You know, after those first few months was awesome. But then after yeah. we won, really trying to think and look and, and try to decipher. Have, have you had an opportunity to look back, have some of those thoughts? And, and if so, what, what are maybe some of those thoughts that you've come to? Yeah, and, you know – Whenever you look back, there's a lot of different thoughts, and your, your mind goes to a lot of different places. And, you know, the very first thing everybody thinks about is, man, of course we had really good players. Uh, our really good players stayed healthy, which was huge. Uh, and then we kind of look back and say, well, why do we stay a little bit healthier? Uh, what did we do as far as offseason? What did we do in season? And a few things that we really focused on during the offseason over the past couple of years, I think it's helped us a ton is, man, we, we hit our shoulders with tons of auxiliary, auxiliary lifts. We, you know, superset almost everything. And probably three quarters of what we superset with is stuff for shoulder stability. And over the past couple of years, we've had very minimal injuries uh, to our shoulders, which has been big. And that's something that we had had issues with in the, the previous couple of years. Uh, some other things that we did in season, uh, every other week we did no sweat Wednesdays. I know a lot of the colleges do no sweat Thursdays and, you know, we don't do a hundred percent, uh, no sweat where we just walk through and everything. We have meetings for about an hour and a half and then we'll go out there and we'll throw and catch for about 20 minutes and then we'll have a recovery lift and a stretch. Uh, so it's kind of a recovery day every other week. And I thought that was really big, especially late in the year. Uh, and, just thinking back to, uh, you know, previous years, we always felt like week eight and nine, whenever you got there to about week eight and nine, that everything kind of came down to who really wanted to be there if, if everything was even. Uh, and it helped our, not only our players stay fresh, helped our coaches stay fresh. And, man, it's one thing that I'm, I'm going to try to do, you know, everywhere that I'm at from here on out. And I think it's, I think it's a great – great way to stay fresh and and stay alert as far as players and not just go out there and run through the motions you, whenever you are out there you're out there with a purpose and you're flying around because at that point you're not really trying to get the conditioning we're trying to get our legs back under under us so we can go out there and, and play full speed coach how do you guys kind of manage that then if you do the the no sweat wednesday are you Some guys other things and just thinking about for the first time since i've been here uh, which was a huge plus um, we've had some really, really good quarterbacks in the past, but they're more stationary guys that could throw it all over the field. And the guy that we had this year was a little bit more mobile. And, I mean, he made me look good a lot of times whenever there really wasn't anything there. So that was big. Uh, and then the other thing was our defensive front and, and our two middle linebackers and our three front were exceptional ball players. Uh, our nose was, I mean – He's one of those guys that uh, however much you put on the bar for him to lift, he's going to lift it. He won two out of 
past three heavyweight state uh, state wrestling championships, and he he would have won the second or the one when he was a junior, but he ended up uh, hurting his knee in football. Was a little bit uh, out of shape and didn't quite have the seating that he needed to to win it. But uh, amazing athlete, amazing person. And then we also had two middle linebackers that uh, were just really solid. So our, our defensive front right up the middle was really really good. And just looking back, those are kind of the keys that I've thought of and, you know, some stuff that we got to continue to focus on and hopefully, uh, you know, have that type of mentality on all those different phases and hopefully it can help us win some more. Coach, what is the, what is the no sweat Wednesdays uh, look like for you guys? I'm not real well versed. I've heard it a bunch. I'm not real well versed in it, but what does that kind of look like for you guys? And, and I'm really curious how you decided on, you know, every other week, and then and then is that specifically done for certain teams that you were going to face, or you just started saying, "Hey, every other week," and I don't really care who the team is that week. Yeah, it really just kind of came came down to we're just going to do it every other week, uh, especially when we got into the playoffs. Remember, we got into you know Thanksgiving week uh, and the state championship. We played at state championship on Saturday instead of uh, Friday, so we had an extra day. Uh, so we were able to do it those two those two weeks. But uh, we really started at week zero. We played Moralton. You know, we'd been in camp for a month. We'd been getting after it pretty good. So uh, we just wanted to give, it, give them a little bit of time to rest and hopefully get their legs back to them. But uh, what that looked like for us, and I'll just talk about it with, uh, as far as what the offense would do, uh, we, we'd go out and we'd have a 25-minute walkthrough. Uh, we'd start off where we'd be split. We'd have wide receivers. Uh, O-line, quarterbacks, running backs, and we just have a, about a 10-minute walkthrough without each position. Then we go about a 10-minute walkthrough with uh, everybody together, just going through different things that were maybe a little bit different, talking about the coverages we'd see with different formations, different fronts, uh, different things that we're looking for. And then we'd have a five-minute break, and then we would go to uh, offensive meetings where everybody would be in there together. Uh, I think this is the only meeting that we have all week where we have everybody in there together with the offense. Other than that, we'd be split into position groups. But we go in there together for 25 minutes. Uh, I run the meeting. I have cut-ups of uh, each formation that we're looking at and different looks that we're getting out of it. And then we go red zone, go line look, just to kind of get everybody on the same page. Uh, and then after we have that, we go out there and uh, we go special teams. So we go about a – 15, 20 minute special teams walk through while we have kickers, holders, snappers getting some reps right there, kicking it. And we'll be in our indoor and we'll be kicking into the net. So uh, balls aren't getting any further than, you know, 10 yards away from us. And uh, so right there, about 15, 20 minute special teams. And then we'll go uh, probably about 20 minutes where we're going 10 minutes of warm ups, which is really just throwing and catching uh, or movements or individual for different positions. And then we go about 10 minutes of drills, and then we come together for a workout and then a stretch. Uh, so it usually takes about two hours. And, you know, main thing is we start off with about 20, 25 minutes of meetings and walkthroughs for each side of the ball, special teams walkthroughs with some kicking, catching, all that different stuff. And then we'll throw and catch for about 20 minutes and get our legs loose, and then we'll work out. Uh, and then, you know, we'll stretch and we'll get out of there. Coach, how do you guys then, you know, do kind of your Thursday after that? I know, you know, Oregon and them, you know, they'd go a no sweat day and then they'd still have, right. you know, a, a super fast period, you know, that next day. Is that something you guys would do the same, but be obviously super smart about the number of reps your your ones were getting? 
Yeah, we're, we're still going to go out there and we're going to go really fast. Uh, it's still only going to be about an hour. And, uh, you know, whenever you think about what they kind of do, they, they'll even put on pads and everything. We just stay with uh, helmets mm-hmm. and we go out there and have kind of your typical uh, Thursday practice. Uh, it, we're going fast. We're getting a lot of reps. But, you know, it's not quite like a full practice. Like I think a lot of those guys talk about, you know, even getting pads and, and doing all that stuff. Love it. And then you guys are probably, I would imagine, pretty pretty normal like everybody else on Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah, I mean, Tuesdays are a huge work day. Um, it's usually our only day where we're in, in you know, shells and everything. Uh, Monday, do a lot of seven on seven, a lot of teaching in, in helmets. Um, you know, JB games usually. Uh, so those guys get out just a little bit early. Uh, then we have a walkthrough with the varsity guys right there uh, as JB guys are kind of getting ready for the game. I love it, Coach, and that's something that um, with the JV games, it's funny you bring that up because um, I just kind of always assumed all JV games were Mondays because I grew up in Oklahoma. Right. Uh, but now you're about the only other coach that we've had come on and, and talk and say that their JV games were, were Monday as well. Um, uh, you know, Texas. They Brady, Thursday? Texas, and, and yeah, like where Brady is, uh, they've got them on Thursday. And it makes uh-huh. it really, really hard, I, I would think, uh, you know, for their yeah, JV, for their yeah. JV kids, you know, to to you know, like for for us, we can put a kid that's on the fringe, you know, my sixth mm-hmm. lineman. I can have him play on Monday. Now he's got the whole week, and now right. I can use him as a backup on Friday, or even in special teams on Friday, where yeah. you know, you, it's not always the healthiest, or, or you got to watch out for that. If you're playing on Thursday, you, you know, as a JV game, oh, yeah. you, you kind of got to be careful with who you play. Yeah, there's no doubt. And with us, it's just if you're not a starter, you're not getting playing time, you're going to play JV. And if we're playing on Thursday, I'd probably change who all we threw out there. Probably try to keep them as sparse as, as we could. There's a lot of teams, too. I was in Ohio, and they do their JV games on Saturday. So it's even like the, the morning after the game. So even then, you know, you have, you have some yeah. kids. I think that would be weird, too. I, I, we did that in Colorado, and I didn't like that either. I just thought – too, too much work and stuff you do on the weekends. To me, Monday is the, the perfect night to do it. Yeah, I think it is too. Saturday would be odd having to get up and go again. <laughs> I know. Um, yes, it would. Coach, you know, you'd said your, your first job in college, you know, you were a, a tight ends coach, and, and that was the, the first thing I got to do as well when I went to, to Augustana. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, playing the, the quarterback position and then having to kind of go coach tight ends. I know it's usually a pretty common GA spot, but you know, how did that kind of help you start to understand, you know, you already knew the passing game, you know, and probably knew some of the run checks. How did that kind of help you out maybe a little bit with now your understanding of the run game and technique? Coach, I'm glad you brought that up because that is probably the most beneficial year that I've ever had in coaching. And, you know, you look back, whenever I went from being a quarterback to a tight ends coach and helping with no line and everything, you're kind of, it's kind of a different world. And I got over there with Coach Shockley, uh, who's, I mean, a legend, great O-line coach, uh, one of the best in the nation. And I got to sit in meetings with him and just kind of go over all the details and we grade the film and uh, just kind of the different techniques and, and the thought process and just the mentality of the O-line is so different than what I was used to. And, I mean, it was so beneficial. If anybody has just been a you know, quarterback, or wide receiver, I highly encourage them just to go spend time, even if it's maybe a spring 
with your coaches right before you go uh, into into you know the workforce or graduate or whatever, go go get with the old line, and that's because it'll it'll open your eyes to a bunch of different stuff. And uh, man, it was huge for me. I always felt like, I mean, you know, just understanding, you know, the, the, the matchups and protection, you know, wh why I can't run this play that way, you know, you, there's a certain way you should run zone, you know, you always kind of learn, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's inside zone, I should be able to run it against anything. Well, some looks yeah. are better than others and the angles of combos. I mean, th there was just so many small details that I didn't have any clue on. And all of a sudden, you know, when, when you go learn from a couple of guys like that, it, it makes you such a better play caller. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. It's like you said, inside zone should be good against everything. But teaching that block against the four hour three on the down, trying to – it's a lot harder than, than running it again, uh, you know, to a one. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I just thought it was huge and just loved it. I mean, every segment with Coach Shog was so beneficial to me in my career. Coach, you had talked about, you know, using um, wristbands just that first year, never using it again because uh, you're used to, you know, calling the play and let's go at playing at a high tempo. Is that something that you guys still – are you guys still a, a very high-tempo team? Yeah, and, you know, just those signals and everything allow us to go so quick. And, you know, everybody is kind of concerned, well, are, are the kids going to miss the signals? We barely, rarely have issues with it. Uh, you just rip it so much. And, and I mean – some of those things that I don't, I don't know how people do it otherwise. It's just one of those things that we've been doing for so long. So, so the, one of the cool parts for me, and, and I know I kind of stole it. I didn't ever realize it was so cool until, you know, walls and we've had some other coaches talk about it is with that up, up tempo type of offense um, and, and being able to signal and being able to go very quick. Uh, it makes practice. It lets you, allows you to get so many more reps. Uh, is there, is that something that you guys try to get out of practice? Are you even extremely high tempo in practice or you slow it down? Does it depend on the days? How does that work for you guys in practice? How do you prepare for that type of an offense? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the drill, but we're, we're going to go extremely fast. And I also think that's one way that we have uh, kind of helped our defense get ready. You know, whenever uh, you see teams like, you know, Greenwood and other teams in the playoffs that are really good, uh, they're always going fast, and I think that's kind of their advantage. And, you know, it's, it helped our defense be ready uh, in the playoffs and whenever we saw teams that went high tempo. Some some different things that we've we've kind of done, and uh, kind of over there in y'all's neck of the woods, we went over there and saw uh, Phil Montgomery right there after they won 10 games there at Tulsa. And we went and watched him practice. And for about the first five minutes, everybody was just looking around like, what is going on? Because they're just – Balls flying everywhere. There were there were guys running. In the, balls getting snapped. Nobody knows what's going on. I'm I'm confused, and then just kind of sit back and kind of figure out what's going on. And uh, we run our tempo just like they run it. Uh, you know, if you get over about two three yards, the next guy's getting in, and we're trying to snap the ball within about ten seconds. Uh, whenever we're going at that tempo, and then we will also have the tempo where we're just going a you know five play drive, uh, like if you were watching uh, Coach Malzahn there at Auburn and how they do their tempo drill, where you're going five plays uh, kind of down the field. Uh, so we'll do different types of tempo there. Uh, and then, of course, when we're going team, we set the ball and do everything uh, so much faster than the officials are going to let us do it. Uh, so that gets us ready uh, to play fast, and it also helps our defense get ready. Uh, but, uh, man, just whenever we went over there and saw, you know, Tulsa, uh, you know, Coach Montgomery, an old Baylor guy, and how they practiced, 
uh, just kind of blew our mind. And we started practicing like that. I think that kind of uh, helps with our tempo and helps us get a lot more reps. They were nuts, man. I went to a couple of those practices too. And, you know, ha- having another football ready, you know, throwing a, a post launch and then the, the oh, receiver is yeah. obviously not going to come back and they just put another receiver in. The defense hasn't even lined up. I mean, yeah. And there's just the ball rolling across. And I think there's like three or four guys. Well, their only job is to just kick the crap out of the ball so it gets out of the way. And if you're over there on the sideline and there's ball close, you better kick it out of the way. And it's, it's wild, but it is awesome. So many reps and just dudes flying around getting after it. Is that another reason why, you know, you, you kind of go to the, the No Sweat Wednesday and you guys have, you know, a little bit longer, you know, meeting times? Or, or do you guys have longer meeting times knowing that, hey, we're going we're gonna to practice that tempo and then any of the corrections you're going to have to make, you know, you might have a short period after that or you guys are going to have to do that on film. Do you guys kind of do a lot of that then on film? Yeah, and, and you know, another thing that we did this past year that was a little bit different and I had never done it, uh, but like you said, we're, we're trying not to talk, you know, have clinics on the field. We will have a 10-minute correction period built in, mm-hmm. but normally I skip it and we go do something else. Uh, just being totally honest, I've got it in there, but we never do it, hardly ever. So uh, what we did what we did instead was we had our meetings after practice. Like as soon as we showed up, we go in there, we have a quick team meeting for two, three minutes. I'd talk for – uh, just a minute or so, just trying to get guys' energy up. And then we'd hop on the bus and we'd go over to the stadium and we'd practice and we'd come back and have meetings for however long their position coach needed. Uh, you know, you might watch the practice from the day before. You might watch film, whatever it is, however long that position coach needed, uh, they had as opposed to we had 10 minutes before practice or 15 minutes before practice. And that was something that uh, I thought was really good because a lot of times you kind of come in there and you have your team meeting, you, know, you try to get guys' energy up, and then – you go sit in a meeting room for 15 minutes. So we just decided, hey, let's come in here, get their energy up, let's go practice, and then we can meet for as long as you want after practice. And then it's a lot more efficient, and I felt had a lot more energy to it than going to meetings right there after the team meeting. That's definitely is, you know, um, way, way more energy doing that. Uh, I think hearing that automatically as an offensive line coach, it scares me. Uh, because we can't talk through maybe problems we had the day before. So how are you guys working through that? Are, are you guys uh, watching the film with them afterwards? Uh, do you guys, you know, kind of talk about that through the day as you see them in class? How are you working, you know, off of, off of that film from uh, that day's practice to get, you know, get those kids and, and work through those, those issues that maybe you had that day? Is it just directly after practice that, as the coach watches it, he kind of talks it out with the kids? Yeah, and, you know, whenever we kind of, we kind of think about all this, uh, you know, how much are those kids really going to, you know, grasp and comprehend and understand? Like, if you had a 15-minute meeting, uh, they're probably remembering two or three clips, you know, the main stuff that you want. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe double teams weren't hip-to-hip. Maybe you were oversetting your stay on, you know, five technique, whatever it is. And, I mean – we can go out there during our warm-ups while we're, we're running through stuff. Our O-line coaches coaching them up, hey, yesterday we weren't hip-to-hip. All right, we're going to get hip-to-hip today. Here's the drill that we're working it, and we go. And we're, we're, hey, yesterday mm-hmm. you overset five technique. You got to set a little bit tighter. We are oversetting. So in, you know, 10 seconds right there, we can talk about it, and then we can show it on film after practice. Uh, but we can talk about it real quick, and then we're drilling it with our warm-ups and then with our individual, and then we see it again after practice. And, I mean, I know it's not ideal, uh, but 
uh, I, you know, whenever you just really think about what they're probably getting out of that 15 minute meeting, they're probably getting 30 seconds of actual material that they're remembering. Uh, so we'll talk with them about it kind of on the bus ride over there whenever we first get to the stadium warming up and then we'll just work the drills. Gotcha. No, that, that makes complete sense. That I, I figured you had something in there. I just wasn't wasn't sure how, but yeah, dirt right. That like you said, that time during uh, warm ups or or that you know install period at the very beginning is easily time that the coach can talk to them and and tell them what they did wrong. They don't necessarily have to see it right then and then show it to them after practice. And like yeah, you said, and, it helps you know, your tempo so much more. Yeah, and kind of like with that uh, no sweat day and watching it after. Maybe it's one of those things that maybe a little bit more mature team that you can do. Because uh, our team this past year was pretty mature. Uh, you know, a lot of guys had played football quite a bit, uh, you know, on the varsity level. Uh, so, I don't know, maybe if you had a little bit less mature of a team, maybe it wouldn't work uh, as well. But uh, this past year, it worked really well for us. Coach, I'm curious, too, then, you know, you're talking about how you guys have shortened things up and, and made it a lot more coach friendly. You know, what does your guys' weekend kind of look like then as well? Are you guys kind of minimalist on the weekend, get our stuff done, get out, or you guys, you know, spend yeah, a pretty mean, good amount of time? Yeah, it's so different for, you know, offense and defense. Um, you know, we, we stay up there Fridays and we get everything done from the game as far as, you know, for grading. Uh, we'll watch it as a staff, uh, whole staff on, with our offense, and we'll just look at the different plays. And kind of the issues that we have, maybe we're running uh, outside zone or whatever, and we'll just look at all the outside zone clips. And then we'll write down, well, what's our problem with outside zone? Well, we can't reach the five technique. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of how we do it on Fridays. We get that entire game done. And then Sundays, uh, we come in as a staff. We don't do anything on Saturdays. Of course, everybody will watch uh, film and all that and get everything prepared for, for Sundays. But uh, as an offense, we'll come in for – about three or four hours. Uh, we'll have our kids come in for an hour where we watch film for 30 minutes and we lift for 30 minutes. And, you know, then we're out of there. Defense stays a little bit longer. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're not really trying to go in there and reinvent anything. Uh, you know, we know kind of what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, Monday morning and through Monday practice, we'll kind of come up with some different stuff. Uh, Tuesday, we want to have everything in, but Monday, we're still kind of looking at it, uh, coming up with kind of our shots and different things like that. So, uh, but we're going to know, you know, what fronts we like to run against, what formations we like, uh, what RPOs, checks, different things like that, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon, and then Monday, we'll uh, continue to look at shots and red zone and goal line. Coach, with, with um, you know, the, the tempo, high-tempo teams, I think a lot of times, at least in, in my opinion, it was a lot of times always thought of inside zone, you know, up-tempo teams inside zone. And then, you know, with, with the, you know, Auburns and now even kind of Oklahoma's, you see some of those more tempo teams. I don't know if Auburn technically is, but, you know, some of those tempo teams are, are more – um, you know, a gap style, I would think, of, of a tempo offense. What is kind of lately, what's kind of been your guys' go-to? Are you guys, have, have you been more zone or more of a gap, you know, run schemes? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, in the past, that would be the easiest question ever. I'd say, man, we're a gap scheme team. Wait, but <laughs> I don't think we are anymore because uh, this past year we ran, I uh, know one run was GT, but we based the front side. Our number two run was inside zone. We actually run it uh, more like a mid zone. 
and then we run uh, tackle power, or uh, you know, a lot of people call it dart. Uh, and then we'll run ISO out of ten personnel uh, for RPOs. And man, whenever you just break down all the different college football offenses, uh, of course Oklahoma runs a bunch of GT, uh, but they also run a ton of inside zone. Uh, Clemson, ton of inside zone. Ohio State, ton of inside zone. Uh, so every single college football offense in Division One that's up there at the top is running inside zone. So, uh, you know, we, that's one thing that over the past offseason kind of looked at and, and decided that that was what we needed to do, get a bunch of double teams, uh, get numbers. And that's another thing I think that kind of helped us because in the past, uh, you know, we have guys that can sling it. We've had some really, really good teams, really good skill guys, but the offense wasn't quite as good because we couldn't just consistently run the ball for four or five yards against good teams. And once we started putting in the inside zone, uh, along with our GT, uh, along with tackle power with RPOs, and then, you know, zone base or, or ISO, whatever you call it, uh, it, it really helped a ton. I mean, that, that was – it averaged about five or six yards, right between five and six yards this past year, and was, was our number two uh, most productive run behind tackle power. Uh, so I think I'm getting a little bit more and more towards that zone, uh, you know, the zone concept so that we can get double teams. And, I mean – just get positive yards because we're not trying to hit home runs. We're just trying to get four or five, you know, and try to keep the box where it's where we can throw the ball is really what we're trying to do. Coach, I, I love GT base and I'm a bad coach because we haven't ran it in, in a few years. So I, I'm kind of my two questions are, what are you doing with the backside end when, when you're running GT? And then uh, on the front side with that base or, or that lock, are, are you are you doing that against every front? Are you only doing it against set, you know certain fronts, and then you're running it you know more traditional GT against certain fronts? Um, do your line make that adjustment? How how are you guys working that out against different fronts? And then, like I said, how, what are you doing with that backside defensive end? Yeah, great questions. And uh, you know, we can talk about just starting off with the forefront. So, say you had a five a two and a, you know maybe a two on the back side, two front side, two back side. Center's going to go back side to the two. Uh, guard's going to be head up on that two, and we're going to have a tackle. He's going to base that five. We're going to wrap for those backers. And the quarterback's going to be responsible for the second down lineman past the center. So uh, right there, if you have a five technique as an end, he's got to read that guy. And another thing that, that was really big for us as far as our uh, runs and everything this year uh, if you watch Oklahoma, the way that they run, especially if they're offset, if, if they're in the pistol, then they come downhill a little bit more. Uh, but whenever they're offset, they run almost like it's outside zone. Uh, so he's going horizontally. And a lot of times those backers, if they're reading that back, they see a horizontal flow so they don't come downhill. Uh, and they'll slide almost like it's outside zone. Uh, but he's going outside, and then he's going to go vertical uh, after he reads that end uh, on that tackle. Uh, so getting behind those guards and tackles pulling, if that, if that makes sense. and then. Uh, talking about a three front, this is where it's really good. Of course, you got a four or four eye over there to the play side, and we're going to base that guy no matter what. So four four eye, we're going to base that guy. Guards going to be down on the nose. Uh, center's going to have the first down lineman back side. So maybe it was a four or four eye. He may give a hand as he's working back to it. Uh, and then we've got those guys pulling. Now, if we had the extra guy walk down, so if you're the, the, the tackle and you got a four or a four eye, and then you got another guy come down outside. We would just get a call and say, hey, there's another guy out here. And that's how that guard, instead of uh, square pulling, now he's open pulling and he's kicking. And now that tackle is wrapping for front side as opposed to back side. So it's just a quick call. I think 
there's one or two times where we called it as the ball was being snapped, and it just seemed to work out. And it, it, it simplified everything for the GT because you think about that tackle and what he's got to do. You know, you got a four tech against that, you know, a three front. Well, okay, if he's a B gap player, shove him in the B gap and then wash him down. Well, the C gap player, just climb, don't let him get off your track to backside linebacker. That's a lot to think about. So we just said, hey, block the guy. There's another guy outside, just yell out so that the guy knows the kick as opposed to wrap. And, and are you pulling, is your tackle uh, open pulling or is he square pulling? That's a great question. Uh, I don't know. That's a great question. I assume he's open pulling. Uh, I don't know if we have a tackle quite uh, agile enough to square pull that far. Gotcha. I think we're, we're open, open pulling and going because, uh, you know, we got two or three foot splits, so it's a pretty long ways to go. Uh, but I'll try to try to figure that out over the next couple of weeks. Thanks. Well, no, that's, uh, you know, I just asked cause, cause we've done a few, like you said, dart, uh, or, or I think you called it uh, yeah. tackle power. Uh, and, and we do a little GT, but, um, I, I'm always kind of trying to decide which one I like more. I, yeah. I love square pull, but like you said, it's gotta be a pretty athletic kid to get over there and get there in time. Yeah. I, and I know on the dart we open pool. So I, um, thinking that we probably open pool on the GT as well. Coach, as you're running back then, uh, when you're running the GT, I would assume he's always reading the second puller, even if it is, you know, you guys are locking the five. He, he's not going to beat the second puller, correct? Right. And, uh, you know, his initial read, and it's one of those things you just got to kind of work the tempo of it, where it's going to kind of ooze to the mesh. But his initial read is that defensive end, and that defensive end's a B-gap guy. Now, he's still trying to wait for that tackle to get around, but he just knows that he can just keep rolling into that C-gap, which, of course, the C-gap is probably going to uh, kind of be washed down a little bit, so it's not going to be just a wide run. But, uh, you know, he's reading that end, and then he's trying to get in behind those pullers. So, Coach, you know, kind of going back to what you had said uh, in, in talking about, you know, the state championship run, you talked about having, a, you know, kind of a dude at defensive line. Uh, and having a really good defensive line this year, um, assuming, and probably not right, I should probably ask the question first, but uh, being 6A Arkansas, assuming that most of your team is, um, you know, two platooning or, or you know, one, get, one set for offense, another group of kids for defense, with having such a good defensive line this year, has that made you rethink at all how you decide who goes to offensive line, who goes to defensive line? Uh, man, yeah. And, you know, you, the way that we kind of do it uh, during the offseason is we understand what our priorities are. And, uh, you know, be what it is, the priorities in the NFL, you can just look at the, you know, salaries. And, of course, it goes quarterbacks, left tackles, uh, D linemen, you know, and so forth and so on. So we kind of have a list kind of like that as well. Uh, what we're looking for is, Skill guys, if they're going to be dynamic, we need to get them on the offensive side, and we want them to score touchdowns. Uh, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, how many times is a, is a corner or a safety going to really be involved in a game compared to, say, a running back? So I can put it, you know, this dynamic kid at corner, okay, which is good, or I could spell him every now and then throw him in there, or I could give him the ball 20, 25 times at running back. So right. uh, we're looking for stuff like that. Then, you know, with the defense, anybody that is able to play defensive line, because uh, the, the teams that win state championships in, the, in 6A Arkansas and probably any level, 
I mean, you look at, you know, the teams in the college football that are, that are winning championships. It's their D-line is amazing, and their quarterback is really good. And that's kind of what we've been looking for as far as uh, putting people in positions. We need a quarterback that's really good, skill guys around them to make them look good, and we need a D-line that can get after it and occupy all five with three is what we're really trying to do. That was, the, that was the Alan Trimble model. You just said it right there, Coach, when he was at Jenks. I mean, he's, he's like, hey, you know, and I coached O-line. He's like, we're going we're gonna to take the two or three best guys and, and we'll, we'll play great defense and shut people down. And then, you know, you're going to get your, your next five to play offensive line. And by gosh, yeah. the guy won, you know, multiple, multiple oh, yeah. state titles. It, it makes complete sense. To me, the, the defensive line is the key to any defense. And, and to me, again, it's – if you have a great defensive line, I don't care what you do. You defeat blocks and you, you wreck havoc. Oh, yeah. Whatever the hell you want on defense, and you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, there's no doubt. It just comes back to numbers. I mean, if you can eliminate their five guys with your three, I mean, now you got an extra two running around. So, uh, I mean, it's huge. Well, Coach, as an offensive line coach, I, I completely disagree with you. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I've, I, I'd take all the good ones we can get, but I, I'm with you. I, that's exactly right. Um, and, and it always is, you know, I think that's a, a, a huge deal. And I think that's of thinking of, of all the things that we did when we won it, that was um, the most eye-opening for me is seeing and being smart about those guys that could have played offense or defense and making the right decisions, how important that was for us that year with who should play on offense, who should play on defense, and then finding just those select kids that we thought maybe should, like you said, start on offense but then spell on defense. Or maybe it's a kid that should probably start on defense and spell certain times, you know, for, for offense. And um, I think that's just such a huge – huge deal and and it takes I, I think it probably takes a a very uh, detail-oriented staff to be able to make those good decisions or you know which starts from from the head coach down yeah and that was something that really I uh we kind of came to in the middle of the year my second year as head coach and I was we were looking out there on the field and and I turned around and looked, and I, our second-string running back that had maybe been in the game three plays, probably one of the top two or three athletes on the team. And I just thought to myself, why is he not on the field? And that very, that very next uh, Sunday, we come in there and we say, who are our best 22 players? And we just said, we need to get these 22 guys on the field somewhere. And we figured out, you know, different ways to get, you know, moving some guys from – you know, backup running back to corner or outside backer or safety or whatever. Uh, and that's one thing. I mean, yeah, I'm an offensive guy and I want to have my room stacked, but I also want to have, uh, you know, guys that can get us back on the field as offense. I love, I love it when, when guys say that. I think it's just such a – and it doesn't sound – it almost doesn't sound like cool enough or smart enough um, for that to be – the way to go about it but I just think it's such a brilliant way to to go about setting up your team is is literally to sit your whole staff and everyone down and say who's our top 22 and and I still think this is one of the best thing that we haven't you know coach A did it five or six years ago and I think he got it from coach Trimble but that's what he did sat us down and we had to rank you know the top 25 players on our team 
And then that gave us the opportunity, I say us, probably the coordinators and the head coach, to look at them and decide, like you just said, coach, hey, how do we get our best guys, all 22 of these best guys, out on the field? And, and you know, you don't, ever, you don't hear many guys talk about that in clinics because, uh, like I said, probably not real sexy or fancy. But, man, I, I think it, it takes a really detail-oriented guy to get that done. And it's, um, it, it's almost so simple, but it's, it's, it's awesome. I think it works so well, and it's such a smart way to look at it. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's overlooked. But, I mean, that backup running back that's a freak is going to make you look a lot better as a DB coach than those other guys. I know that. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're always talking about it and just trying to, trying to figure out what's best for, for our guys. Not only that, too, I think it forces you to simplify a little bit, too. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I, I even think, like, defensive guys would, you know, they, they'd be a little bit reluctant to, to, to maybe take that great athlete because they're like, well, he doesn't know all the calls on defense. And then I think that's where you, you probably, as a head coach, are like, well, hey, guess what? Jimmy here is a better player. You guys need to get more simplified on defense. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe that's part of our problem. So I think that, that's always something. I think that's always a good byproduct of it to it. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, that's another thing that I think this year that we did a little bit different. We did a bunch of uh, just one-word calls with our defense that were, you know, looked exotic, but, I mean, we might call them once or twice a game. And just, I mean, when our kids knew that we called out one word, that they're running that, it made us look a lot more complex than we, than we really were and uh, helped our guys play fast. Well, Coach, you know, kind of coming up on an hour, uh, we appreciate it. It's been really, really quick, uh, you know, to me. But um, I, I don't want to get let you get out of here without asking, you know, the same question I ask everybody, which is when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the main thing that I'm looking for is are they maintaining blocks? Uh, I mean, everybody can get to that initial position, but then once – you know, the play kind of breaks. So they, are they ripping to the front side? Are they, are they running? Or, you know, how are they maintaining those blocks? And what are they doing whenever uh, it's not just that initial, uh, you know, first two or three steps and a little bit of a drive? Uh, how are they playing after that? And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.